I'm Ann Felice. And I'm Denise Cooper. And you're listening to Two Average Girls. Happy Tag Tuesday. <laughs> wait, wait. I stepped over your intro. I'm, I'm sorry. No, I'm the one that stepped over your intro because you're usually the one that says it, but I wanted to surprise you. you. I was surprised. <laughs> so surprised. How are you? I have not seen you in a long time. So long. I think it's been like six weeks. No. It I can't think, have been six weeks. I think it might be. Did you miss this? No wonder I feel... <laughs> No wonder I feel run down and lethargic. <laughs> you needed a little b- dose of vitamin D. Big time. Here I am. Yay. I'm here for you. Don't worry about it. Okay, I won't. Glad you're back. Glad I'm back. Glad we're in the same podcasting studio space. And in the same state, which hasn't happened in a while. Even the same country. Denise left the country. <laughs> I left the country and I got myself sick. Mm-hmm. She came back with a, with a little friend. I came back with the Rona. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I was just actually kind of excited I got it. I know that's going to sound morbid or weird. No. But, I mean, it's like like every time you get like a little, you're like, do I have it? Right. uh, uh." You're immediately swabbing your nose. Right. It's just so crazy how things have evolved. For two years, I've never gotten it. I go to the most run down, shut down, not run down, (laughs) shut down country in the world. Canada. Canada. They were hardcore. Hardcore. And guess what I brought home? Mm. Your friend, the Rona? I got, I didn't bring any maple syrup. You didn't. No. No I Mounties? Myself, nope. I brought it, I brought it home. So both my husband and I have been dealing with this. So if you hear a little bit of the rasp, mm-hmm. it was not a, it wasn't so bad. It wasn't great. I mean, I didn't feel good. I had a cold, mm-hmm. but, and I stayed, I stayed quarantined for about nine or 10 days. Yeah, you were good. You were like. I was really good. And I wasn't contagious after about seven or eight, but mm-hmm. I just kind of laid low because. You know, people kind of look at you weird. Oh, you can't have an allergy. You can't no, have any. You can't sneeze. Mm-mm. You can't cough. You can't clear don't your throat. Do don't it. blow your nose. Mm-mm. But I'm here. I'm good. I feel good. I just, I kind of miss potting with you. I would hope so. <laughs> I think that's your your most, I don't want to say it's your your best paying job, but it's certainly your it's most fulfilling. It's definitely not my best paying job, considering <laughs> that I lose money monthly on this. What? I, How? It's the most expensive hobby I have. <clears throat> That's, I've seen your shoes. <laughs> oh, we're can I don't count that as a hobby. I count that as a necessity. Oh. That's just clothing me. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> now that you're bringing that up, I'm pretty excited because yes. it's 7-Eleven. I know, right? And we got ourselves some Slurpees. We did. Yay! They were free. All you have to do is stand in line for like an hour. Well, and you have to join the, the club. Here's the thing. I just wanted to say, hey, I got the dollar. I just wanted a Slurpee on 7-Eleven the mm-hmm. day. Right. I didn't need it for free because I. it just seems like, come on. Yes, but then you saw the line. I know. No. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. People really like free stuff. You know, it used to be that you could take a, an igloo cooler. <laughs> you could take a one time Cameron and his friends took a Kentucky Fried Chicken really? bucket. Yeah. And you could just 
fill up whatever vessel you brought you could I fill didn't it know up that. now you have to join their club you have to join the 7-eleven club you have to have the app <sighs> the whatever and you can only do a certain size that's what you had to do for us to get us our slurpees but I'm i really appreciate you. it you're welcome it's so delicious i like a little cherry and cola uh, she asked she put in a, <laughs> a, a very specific menu item that she wanted cherry with some cola mixed in let me ask you is 7-eleven nostalgic for you yes me too yeah it is one of those things that every time 7-Eleven comes, the Slurpee is, I, and I actually just got Slurpees on Friday when we took the grandkids to the beach. Right mm -hmm. afterwards, I said, let's get a Slurpee again. That's kind of our tradition when we go down there. There's a 7-Eleven right there by where we park our car by the um, beach park that we go to. And it's just fun. Yeah. This last time I got a Slurpee and even today, they're getting, are they getting sweeter or am I getting older? Um, I mean, because it's just like I'm, I, they were always sickeningly sweet. I don't remember it being that sweet, but yeah, it was. I think your tolerance for Slurpee sweetness as a kid is much higher. I must be. Yeah. Because I was just like, boing. It's just straight crazy. sugar. Yeah, so you fed crazy. those to your grandkids and watched what happened? Yeah. Well, I kept them until eight or nine, so the parents didn't have to deal with them. So Jerk you're welcome, it. Lexi and Mitchell. I did not send them home with Mountain Dew Slurpee. Oh. And <laughs> no, that's just cruel and but, unusual. But I used to go. When we used to live in Santa Ana at, on our little house, and I was like in first grade, second mm -hmm. grade, mm -hmm. maybe third grade too. We were there until I was in third grade. I used to ride my bike to the 7-Eleven on the corner, mm -hmm. which wasn't very far, but no one does that now, right? No. You don't let your kids drive their bike. But I used to go there. That was like the big treat. My friends and I would drive our bikes to 7-Eleven or walk and go in there and pay for a, some junk food and a Slurpee. Right. And it was like big time. Oh, day made. This it, is the best day. It is. Yeah. It is the best. Yeah. And oh, yeah. and now it's not that way. But the nostalgia is there for me. Did you have that experience? Well, yes, I did a little bit. I um now that we've been overrun with Circle K and AMPM, it's a better quality convenience store. Seven eleven still smells like the old hot dog rolling on the roller whenever you walk in. Well, that's what I wanted to talk about a little bit today. Today's a weird news day. Okay. And it's not really weird news, but it's a little bit of did you know kind of thing. Oh. Uh, because it is 7-Eleven, and I just wanted to give you a little bit of background about 7-Eleven. The convenience store or the yeah. date? Did you did you know that 7-Eleven, which is not the original name, by the way. Oh, it's not? No. So oh, you're going to tell us. I'm going to tell you all <laughs> okay, about tell it. Us. I'm super excited. <laughs> okay. So 7-Eleven is is a company that had started in 1927 oh, that far back yes and originally it was called the southland ice company oh and it started out by being a big block ice company oh. for and then in the 20s yeah they didn't have refrigeration mm -mm. like we know right right they had big blocks of ice that they put inside a container mm -hmm. that was a refrigerator mm -hmm. but that's it evaporated it it, it melted, melted. Yeah. doesn't evaporate it melts <laughs> melts yeah and i'm no scientist <laughs> <laughs> and they used to have to go and get their ice and so there was ice companies all over that mm -hmm. was the big thing right yeah and this company the southland ice company and i believe john jefferson green began selling ice and then he got the wild idea to start selling convenience food okay and like a prepackaged food. No, I'm talking about eggs, uh, milk, oh. cheese, oh. bread. Some staples. Staples. Mm -hmm. Now, start thinking about the 20s, right? 
not everyone has cars. No. People don't. In order to get food, you have to go far away. There's no fast foods. Mm -hmm. No. Okay. So whatever you can keep in your refrigerator is what you get. And whatever you can buy at the grocery store. Grocery stores were far away for people. Mm -hmm. Especially in rural United States. Right. This started in Colorado. Oh. In 1927. Okay. And so they started selling all these convenient foods because they realized people might need some eggs or yeah. milk. Now, they did have milkmen and things like that, but people still, like normal, ran out of stuff. So right. they started selling that, and it became really popular. Sure. And from there, they started saying, hey, we're going to even be open on Sundays. Ooh, that must have been a problem in Probably some of those controversial. states. Yeah. I didn't read too much about mm -hmm. what that meant. But in those days, nothing was open on Sundays. Absolutely, especially in the Bible Belt. That's mm -mm. right. But the Southland Ice Company decided that they would stay in there. And says in 1928, a manager named Jenna Lira bought a totem pole. And you'll like this, as a souvenir from Alaska. Sure. Shout out to your brother. Hey. Um, and place it in front of her store. Okay. The pole served as a marketing tool for the company. And it attracted a great deal of attention. Soon, ex executives added totem poles in front of all their stores. Of these stores? The ice store? The ice stores. All of them. They had, um, they had 16 ice houses in, mm -hmm. in Dallas at, at, at what that time in, the 19, in 1927. And then it sold it. I won't go into all the details yeah. of who sold yeah. and what happened. But they ended up being called the Totem Company. Okay. And it also referred to as people toted their stuff in and out. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. so it was the totem company. Got it. Okay. So the totem stores. In the same year, the company began constructing gas stations. Oh, man, they're just going for it. They're innovative. Everybody that is, you know, listening on a podcast, especially the younger generation, they have no idea what it was like, even for us, when we were young. Dark. It was dark, dark times. Ages. It was I dark mean, times. I mean, like it's so crazy, right? It's right. just, but they have they they started doing they started doing the gas stations at the Dallas location as an experiment, and they thought that it might work out pretty well, and it did. So they expanded it. In 1931, the Great Depression had affected the company, and it almost went bankrupt. Sure. Nevertheless, the company continued the operations through reorganization. And a Dallas banker bought him out, okay? In 1946, in effort to continue the company's post-war recovery, the name in the franchise changed. So okay. in 1927, it was built. In 1946, they changed it to 7-Eleven to reflect the store's new hours of operation, mm -hmm. which was 7 in the morning to 11 p.m., which were unprecedented at the time. Oh, it was crazy. People crazy. must have thought they've lost their minds. Like, who would get up at 7 o'clock in the morning and... Who would ever leave the house after 7 to go shopping? Well, who who would be out at 11 p.m.? Exactly. What are you up to? I can tell. <laughs> I can tell you what they probably thought. 7-Eleven, <laughs> um, in 1963, 7-Eleven experimented with 24-hour schedule in and Austin, Texas. How did it work? So, in Austin, Texas, next to the University of Texas. Oh, of course. They had a, they were trying to close down. And they couldn't because after the games, mm -hmm. the kids would come in mm -hmm. for what kids do, mm -hmm. which is buy alcohol and all the food. Yeah. And they would literally not be able to close their shop at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock in the morning yeah. because so many kids were coming in. So they decided to keep it open. That's funny. And they decided to do that 
to stay open 24 hours a day yeah starting on the weekends only okay friday, so friday saturday, saturday yeah right mm -hmm. well it worked out so well that they became that's kind of what they became known for so 7-eleven right. was seven in the morning to 11 became 24 hours a day seven days a week wow i know it's pretty with the purchase in 1963 of 126 spokane um speedy marts they started franchising Mm. So then they started acquisition. I want to say they have 50,000 outlets outlets uh, worldwide. All around the world. They're mm -hmm. in India. Mm -hmm. They're in Hong Kong. They're in Cambodia. They are in Israel, Japan, Laos. They're everywhere. Mainland China, Malaysia, the Philippines. They are anywhere that you can imagine. Mm -hmm. You will find a 7-Eleven. Yeah. There's, I lived in London for about six months when I was in college. And first time I'd ever really been away from home, you know, in a real way. And I remember seeing that 7-Eleven right by the subway stop that I needed to take. And I was so happy because you know what you're going to get it's when familiar. you go inside it's yeah. like going to a mcdonald's exactly when you're in a different country that's right? right the other thing that one of the innovative things is that they started right after they did the gas stations mm -hmm. they also started selling coffee oh sure you can go in there and pour yourself a little cup and not a, and and that's the other thing they started the self-service trend oh it never used to be that you had to go and you someone know, had to serve you. Well, you had also to had to sit down at the counter. Or, to or even at these convenience stores, when this started taking off, originally, if you wanted to drink, somebody went and got it for you and brought it up to the front. Mm -hmm. Then they said, oh, why doesn't somebody else do that? They started the little turning hot dog thing. They started that. They innovated. That's that. theirs? That's theirs. They started their own coffee brand. They started selling the cups. The takeaway cups because oh. you used to have to bring in a thermos right. or something else. They started that. What? Yes. I had no idea 7-Eleven was they so... They started the Slurpee. <laughs> well, that is Let's what they're known for. Let's bring it back to what's really important. The Slurpee. They started bringing... They, they started the Slurpee. And now you have ICs and you have everything else from, you know, slushies and whatever else you have from everywhere else. But 7-Eleven is the innovator. Well, and the Slurpee is the OG. You know what you're getting when you get a Slurpee. It's perfect. It's absolutely it's perfect. perfect. It's, it's perfect. I mean, mm -hmm. the whole idea the of going into those places and knowing what you're going to get. Yeah. I mean, they started selling a little bit of everything. They mm -hmm. also were in the first places of these kind of convenience stores to bring in fresh produce. A banana, oh, yeah. apples, An orange. oranges. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They also started selling aspirin and <laughs> over-the-counter drugs yeah. that you would normally get in a drugstore. Right. They just started combining everything. They were throwing all the ideas at it to see what happened. They stuck. They went through some financial trouble off and on. Sure. But that happens to Always. businesses. Especially and when you've been around since the 1920s. Especially when you're innovative. Yeah. When you take a risk, yeah. you might not always hit the mark. Oh, no. You don't. Most people don't. Yeah. Oh, You've that's gotta amazing. Fail before you can be successful. So I just thought it'd be a little bit of a fun mm. nostalgia just to see what it was like I back in the it. day. But yeah, that's where it started. I thought it was so fascinating that it started it. with an ice house. It did. <laughs> well, and now Slurpees are known everywhere. Yeah. All right. We're going to, um, we're not going to take a total left turn, but we're going to, we're going to jump on that coronavirus situation. <laughs> Great. 
I no. thought we'd be done with it, but no, it's never leaving. Well, us. this is not directly related to, to coronavirus, but you know, how often have you heard there's a supply chain issue? Oh, every day, I, working at my office, um, it's just crazy. The problem with this particular supply chain issue, Denise, is it's going to break your heart. Oh my gosh. I Diet Coke? Are we Close. talking Diet Coke? Close. Chocolate. <laughs> Do you want it? Pizza. What? what? <laughs> just you just keep guessing and when you guess i'll tell you got it right louis vuitton no (laughs) um movie theaters are experiencing a shortage in popcorn and candy well i just went to the movie theater and i didn't have have any problem no i got the biggest tub in the world and and they didn't look at you and go i'm sorry miss cooper no and there was plenty of butter too yeah have you been to the movie theaters lately? I have. I saw Top Gun twice. I saw Top Gun. It was so good. I saw the Elvis movie too. Oh, that's right. You did go see. I heard that's long. It's long. Yeah. But it was good. It was really good. I was pleasantly surprised. I took my mom, who is a big Elvis Presley fan. Yeah. And just as a little side note, I think we've talked about it before, but I did see Elvis Presley when I was about 12 years old it's in one person. Of, it's one of my favorite most impressive Denise Cooper stories. It, it kind of impresses me because, you know, at the time, I didn't know how amazing it was. No. You don't realize what kind of legacy you're, you're watching. But as I watched the movie, I kind of, it was really sentimental for me. And I really felt like, I kind of felt guilty for watching him. Anyway, you have to go see the movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's very well done. I can't say enough. So we digress. But oh, well, I had plenty of popcorn and junior mints. I'm so glad because uh, the word is <clears throat> that with all the people going to the movies this summer, because, you know, we've been like cooped up. A lot of people aren't. Right. They haven't been to a movie until I, now. Like I this know. summer is like, woohoo. Let's Finally, go. I'm getting out. Yeah, let's get it down and um, let's get out there and so they've been experiencing a shortage of popcorn candy soda and other snacks inflation has also played a part it's tightened up the labor market which yeah don't get me started really and anyway supply chain disruptions are impacting the availability of food and beverages at movie theaters and this is according to the wall street journal this isn't just me making stuff up Theater operators are also having difficulty restocking the key concession stand items, such as the bags that hold the popcorn, as well as the linings that prevent the butter from from seeping out in that Mm. butter machine. Did you notice any stray butter? I always get stray butter because I tell them, (laughs) they say, would you like some butter? And I'm like, I want a heart attack before I leave. Keep going with your story, and then okay. I'll, I'll have some more. Um, to the say. supply crunch forced cinemas to limit the sales of non-paper containers made of either plastic or metal, which double as advertisements for some of the films. So that's okay. They can go to Smart and Final and, and figure fine. it out. It's fine. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to have something to put that popcorn in. So they're they're finding it a disruption, is what they're calling it. Um, other than that. I think that people are still headed to the movies. I don't know of anyone who's actually encountered this problem, but the CEO of Synergy Entertainment Group, a guy named Jeff Benson, he runs eight movie theaters in North Carolina, Texas, and Oklahoma. He said, quote, this is a mess. So he's, for some reason, in that area, really feeling the pinch. You know, well, there's also another side to this, which this part I actually understand. What I had previously said, I'm like, I don't... I don't get that. I don't get the plastics. I don't understand that. It doesn't make sense to me. But we're talking about farmers now, which I know a couple farmers up in Northern California. We actually have a neighbor up in Northern California who has a rotating crop. 
and some years he will uh, grow popcorn, corn kernels that are made specifically for either feed or popcorn. Mm. And so the concern is that the popcorn supply will be tight um, because they are paying farmers more to continue growing popcorn <clears throat> instead of switching to the more lucrative uh. crops, soybeans, etc. But there's a fear that the yields won't be enough to keep up with the consumer demand. So we might not be seeing the shortage right yeah. now, but we might be in the future. So just keep might that in mind. Might have a problem then. Well. Because if I go to the movies, I don't know about you. When mm. you, I have before gone to the movies and not bought anything because I'm like trying to be good. Why go? That's the point. Part I, of it is the food that you're getting while you're there. I literally the want to do that. And what's kind of cool, and I think it's in most bigger cities is everybody's a luxury theater now. Like yeah. you go there and there's a little tray that comes out. You mm. got a seat heater if you want it. You can recline. Yeah. It's in a good experience. Yeah, you is. get more than you used to. When I took the kids before, sure. you know, like these, everything seems nicer yeah. and more. I mean, you're there for an experience. I was there for three hours at that movie because there's 20, almost 25 minutes worth of previews. Oh, right easily and i it used to bug me but i was kind of happy like i'm like i'm in it to win it here man let's just get this whole experience i've got my popcorn that's leaking that butter's leaking onto my legs i'm good i wear dark clothes to the movie theaters all the time so you can't (laughs) see when i leave well just heads up next time you go to the movie you might need to bring your own junior mints just be prepared i can do that the popcorn i don't want to bring my own well let's hope that doesn't happen because denise won't be happy no no, and we're all very, very aware <laughs> if Denise is happy. That's, listen, you know the saying, Denise ain't happy, nobody's happy. <laughs> is, that the, is that how it goes? It, it, it is now. Oh, okay. Good. Okay, yeah. so I have one for you. It's, a, it's just kind of a, a silly little story, but I, I looked at it and I thought, this woman must have a little bit of time on her hands. Oh, good. Um, but um, a Texas mom is making the case that her unborn baby should count as a passenger in her oh. HOV lane after receiving a ticket violation for this. Oh, this comes on the heels of the whole Roe v. Wade situation, right? Absolutely. It's, it, this is dated July 11th. Oh, my okay? goodness. And we're in the middle. Like, it was a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Brandy um, Bouton was 34 weeks pregnant when she stopped by she was stopped by a texas department of public safety officer while driving in the hov lane according to the state law the hov lane is for a vehicle occupied by two or more people okay or a motorcyclist yes that's right she argued that her unborn child should count as a passenger and in an interview with the dallas morning news she said that the state could can't have it both ways. The state penal code recognizes the unborn child as a person, <laughs> but the state's transportation code doesn't clarify that. Okay. She's not wrong. No, she's not. It's got, if you're going to recognize it one place, you have to recognize it across the board. One law is saying that this baby, that there's a baby, and now is he's telling me that this baby is that's jab, jabbing me by the, in the ribs is not a baby. <laughs> Any mother who's been jabbed in the ribs by her unborn child will side with this woman. She's actually now 36 weeks pregnant and has hired an attorney to fight her $275 ticket. Oh, come This is on. what I'm saying. I, yeah. I, I get it. Maybe she's doing it for the better good, the good of whatever. I think she's trying to prove more of a point about the Roe v. Wade situation. What state is she in again? She's in Texas. Oh, well. They already, they already, they're already <laughs> made up their mind, people. I'm just saying, I can't change Texas. Of all states. There's a lot of states that you don't need to be making a, a point to. I think That's the one. Oh. 
I the HOV lane has always kind of perplexed me. You know, I appreciate it mm-hmm. when they, it kind of opened up around here when my kids were little. Yeah. And I used to drive in it. And it still was odd because it seems to me that an HOV lane should really be for other drivers that are driving with you. Because, I mean, if my kids are, they don't have their own car to take up space. You know what I'm saying? It oh, seems like it should be someone, like a driver. It should be, it should you be can taking only go a, in there. it should be taking a car off the road well, rather than my eight-year-old. <clears throat> Right. I mean, right. the eight-year-old's not going to drive anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If he does, we're in bigger trouble than him just going in the HOV lane. Well, in Texas, maybe they can, maybe they can arrange something. I, we both have electric cars. And when I first bought my car, there was you could pay a fee, which sure. is a tax in California. And they like that, to call it fee. It's better. It sounds better. Either way, it's a three-letter word. And I know what you're doing, <laughs> Gavin Newsom. You could pay a small fee it wasn't that small i think it was 500 maybe 800 dollars, and get that sticker to put on your fully electric car right. and drive in that hov lane whether you have someone in the car with you or Can't not do it now i did i did mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. and then they sent me a letter not all that long ago mm-hmm. maybe two three years ago and said guess what we're retracting all of those stickers mm-hmm. we've collected your money them. there's still people with them too and they're no, still in you the get lane. a new one you pay another exorbitant fee and you can have another one. And I said, I'm done paying the state of California anything. I, right. You can call it a fee. You can call it a, a prom gift. I don't care what you call it. I'm not paying another dime. Maybe if you were this lady, you'd be the one getting your attorney. She's probably feeling the same thing. At this moment in my life, maybe she has a point. All right. We're going to another mode of transportation. This time, we're going to take to the skies. I got to tell you this a little story about a student pilot in the state of Missouri. Um, he's an interesting cat. He uh, was, in, like I said, he's a student pilot, and he was in a single-engine Piper Cherokee, which is not a very big plane, okay? But he takes this plane up at about 2.45 in the morning. Whoa, what? why was he doing that? What are we doing? You're a student pilot. What are you doing? Maybe he's going on this night flight, solo night flight. Solo night. You might want to let someone know. Oh. Yeah. Well... He's 35 years old. Oh, so he should know better. One would think. And his name is John T. Seasing. He was hospitalized with minor injuries because he had engine failure and had to land that Piper on Interstate 70, which is about the area that he landed it in is like 22 miles east of Kansas City, Missouri. Oh, my God. So he had to land that thing in the middle of the night. Yeah. It was 2.45 in the morning. Um on the highway so he had some minor injuries and of course he's taken to the hospital and hospitalized after which he will be and was booked into jail a he was the only person on board he's a student pilot so that was a no-no he wasn't doing his solo night flight and he was intoxicated oh i yes. knew that we were going to get to the bottom of why he went up there by himself at 245 it evening. seems like a great idea at 245 when you when put you've it had a bar <laughs> right so he's facing allegations of careless and imprudent driving involving a crash oh, that's a fancy way to say it felony drug and gun possession so oh. he had drugs and a gun <laughs> In the plane. He is a dumb ass. He, he's, <laughs> he's our favorite weird criminal of the week. Um, possession of marijuana and drug paraphernalia. Perfect. Yeah. What could go wrong tonight? Absolutely nothing. So, but the, the good news is, though, he landed that plane on that freeway, highway. I don't know what they call it right. back there in Kansas City, Kansas City, Missouri. And uh, he didn't hit another 
Well, probably everyone's asleep. Well, there were some there were some vehicles on. Could that you imagine highway. you're driving? It's two forty five in the morning. Listen, my mom used to tell me this, and I believe it to be true. And I used to tell my own kids, nothing happens good after midnight. Oh, it's so you true. start getting earlier and early in the morning. Weirder and weirder things happen, and weirder and weirder people come out. I, as someone who had worked in <laughs> newsrooms most of her adult life, there were times when I would get off my shift at in the newsroom as a producer or a writer at at two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, and I'm telling you, it was not a long the drive come home out at night, but they were out. It's weird. Yeah, they were. It's like a whole different society of people. They operate under the guise of darkness so that right. no one can like <laughs> to really confront them. So anyway, he's uh, he's being held. They did have to block traffic um, to get the plane off the road, of course. Um, and, you know, the one of there was a truck driver who had stopped at seeing the plane pass overhead and then land in front of her. She's, you know, like a long haul trucker. She got out of her rig and helped to block traffic and w- went to go check on the person inside. She had no idea. She popped open that door and she said she was overwhelmed by the smell of alcohol. Oh, my gosh. So marijuana, drugs, and alcohol, and you're taking this. <laughs> you deserve to crash. Maybe. there. Maybe he's making a case for the drugs and the alcohol because he landed it. He landed that thing without, he didn't get injured. The plane is fine. He wasn't transporting drugs like to sell them across a border or something. I don't know. You have to ask John T. Seasing. I don't think he's going to be eligible for a pilot's license. I think the FAA is done with him. I would say so. (laughs) I would say so. Yeah. Wow. It's always interesting when we're talking. I'm surprised this wasn't Florida. I'm just going to say. It, I mean, when I first started reading the story, I'm like, oh, I bet this guy's in Florida. He's no. not. No, I know. I just find it very interesting with all the technology and all the crime stories and all of the, just the way that we communicate that criminals, some have just not gotten smarter. Right? I, like, I don't understand I, this. I agree. I don't understand. You hear these stories. Yeah. And you're like... Again, I know that he's intoxicated. He's not thinking in his right mind. But you've got to have that personality where you just, what, you just go ham after you, like. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I've I, been drunk before. Mm-hmm. I've been under the influence of different things. Mm-hmm. I've never thought I should get up into a plane and take it for a ride. Mm-mm. Now, Mm-mm. again, I, I can't put myself into the same boat as this guy. Right. But I'm just saying, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that drink. Yeah. They don't go and steal a car or they don't do these crazy things that all these people do under the influence. Like what is going on? Do you uh, not learn from others? No, I think that <laughs> I think the drug use and the alcohol use brings out who they truly are. I was talking to a cop years ago, <laughs> years ago about this type of thing and it was a story that we were covering about someone who had murdered someone else. <clears throat> and it, his excuse was I I was on drugs. Sure. And the cop said to me, because I was interviewing him regarding this, and he was like, no matter the amount I drink or the amount of drugs <laughs> I do, I'm not, I can safely say, I'm not going to murder anybody. Right. So this is something that exists inside of you. This guy was an idiot. Right. He's Mr. just an idiot. Mr. Pilot was an idiot. He's an idiot. But I just, it just, it's still amazing to me that the consequence that you're going to face, mm-hmm. like you like that didn't even cross his mind. No, no it doesn't. Once. And when we watch all these true crime yeah. things, we find some really dumb people. 
Like, did you think this all the way through? Like, what's going to be the end of this? They don't know. No, no one thinks that. No. I mean, there's some <laughs> mastermind criminals who, like, really plan things out. But for the most part, even the best of them, even the Bundys of the world are, like, eventually it, they spiral. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you, you can't. It's just crazy yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just crazy. And it makes me feel smart. Well, it provides us with no end of, uh, you know, weird news. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to go um, with something that I saw this a while ago and forgot to, to put it on the last couple ones. <laughs> okay, tell. Um, this happened in May, on May 13th, 2022. But um, I want you to picture yourself. You're asleep. Sure. Okay. My favorite. Yeah. You, uh, you get up and you feel something next to you. Okay. In, like in in, in, your bed. in bed okay uh-huh. you're okay. in bed okay and it's a dog i don't own a dog so then it would be a problem for you <laughs> so don't picture this because that would freak you out that wouldn't be a problem for denise so let me put myself in this okay. place okay i'm asleep mm-hmm. i feel this dog mm. dogs don't sleep on our bed at night mm-hmm. for the most part if my husband's not home i let him sure but if he's home they come up before we go to sleep, then they go to lay down on their beds. Because I like my space and I don't need some dog, you know, breathing in my ear. No. So I love animals, but not that much. No. So anyway, I would think that wouldn't, I wouldn't think that was that weird. Right. But let me give you this. Okay. Julie Thornton Johnson, Julie, her name's Julie Thornton Johnson. Okay. Could feel the dog sleeping between her and her husband when she got up around 4 a.m. Okay. She figured it was one of their three dogs that often find their way onto their bed. I'm so scared right now. But after a few hours, and as the sunrise lit the bedroom in their southern, (laughs) southeastern Tennessee home, Julie woke up to her husband's quiet yet yet stern voice. Mm -hmm. Julie, whose dog is this? Mm -mm. (laughs) No. Just like a rando dog. It, it was a dog. It, it was, was a dog. Because when I first started reading this, Ooh. I had to like skip to the bottom. Oh. I Well, luckily, there's a picture. Okay. So I knew it was really a dog. Because I, I was, because it's just, I thought when I first read it and I didn't see the picture, is this a dog? Is it a bear? Is, is it, it a Sasquatch? I thought it was like a skunk or something like just coyote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Coyote yeah. came around. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And then she said, confused and half awake, Julie rolled over to respond to her husband's strange question. And then when she saw the 90-pound bulldog lab mix sprawled out in their king-size bed. That's a big dog. He and I locked eyes for a second, she said. (laughs) And we were just silent. And I was like, that's not our dog. No. Yep. No. So the dog was friendly, Mm. nuzzling up to Jimmy, who is 34 years old, and lying belly up on their... Oh, with her head resting on Julie's pillow. Oh, so she was, she was she, a house dog. She was tired. Oh, she's tired. She was tired. <laughs> it was clear that she had domestic. She had been a domesticated animal, and mm-hmm. her owners who had must have cared for her. So she took her pictures of the dog who was sleeping alongside her husband and posted them on her Facebook group, yeah. the neighborhood group. Sure, right? Sure. The, she said, "This the is the weirdest post I've ever had to make." Mm. But is this your dog? And she put a picture there. She tagged her husband and shared the post with the community Facebook pages. Two hours later, Chris Hopkins and Felicia Johnson responded, claiming the dog was theirs. Her name is Nala. Okay. Nala was tired. That's cute. Um, And that they lost her that afternoon after she slipped off her collar and ran off. 
They searched the woods but had to turn back when it got too dark and assumed Nala would find her way home. She's an escape artist. Oh, she's But Nala (laughs) appeared to have found herself a new address. When one of her owners arrived to pick her up at 1130 that morning, the pup refused to leave. (gasps) Well, then how do you know that that's their dog? How do you know they're not just dog nappers? I don't think they care. They got three dogs of their own. They're just like, listen. The it's dog's Tennessee. sleeping on my pillow. It's Tennessee. Get this extra dog out. How did the dog get in? Well, it, it's okay. It. Sorry. So she just said that it was embarrassing because Nala wouldn't leave, <laughs> and I'm just thinking she must have a more comfortable bed. I don't know. Like or that lady had bacon in her, her pocket. Sleep, yeah, her sleep mm. number was yeah. <laughs> just dialed in just right. That's right. She was standing on the front porch yelling for her, which she could hear from the bed, which Nala could hear from the bedroom, but Nala wouldn't get out of bed. Oh, no. This poor woman had to come into our house and into our bedroom with my husband in bed. Mm. Husband's in bed at 1130. What's happening there? I don't know. He doesn't have a job. Maybe he Maybe flies. Maybe Saturday. Maybe he flies planes at 245 in the morning. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> my husband was in bed with her dog and forced to, her to get out of bed. Mm. Yeah. So she suspects that Nala sneaked into their house sometime after 2 a.m. when her husband let their dogs out before they all went to bed. So they went to bed late. Okay. Um, but Jimmy didn't latch the door, and Julie thought the high winds that oh. ha- were happening that night might have blown the door open. The resident dogs, their resident dogs, Zeppelin, Cute. Hollis, yeah. and Jupiter, did <sighs> not seem to mind having their new friend around. I, that's what I was going to say. The other three dogs didn't bark or anything. They were just like, hey, welcome to the pack. I guess they had a secret pack to have a spend the night party Ooh. at our house and Aww. didn't let us know oh come on that's pretty cute that's adorable is there a picture of nala there's a picture okay. of nala there's a picture of all of them all together too like the new owners the and the you know the sleepover owners yeah the slumber party owners <laughs> so nala decided to come in i'm just telling you right now i would know if a new dog was sleeping with me would you I, I mean, that so. dog, ninja style, crept into that bed. Here's a little picture of Nala. She doesn't want to get up. Oh, Nala's a sweetheart. Yeah, Nala's a sweetheart. Aww. So I just thought it was a good I like that pet, story. Feel good pet story. I love a good pet story. Yeah, me too. Nala. Um, all right. This is my last one. Uh, we're going to talk about tourism. You and I have both been out of the country recently. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of times where we, as in, in the United States, we hear about being the ugly American, like, oh, it's so embarrassing. Being, being like rude Americans? Just being like, yes, that, and, and it's obvious I'm an American, and I'm here in this other, in, my, in this foreign country, and I'm insisting on being an American, all this stuff. Like, you're, you're trying to prove that you're an American? This you're is being loud and obnoxious? Of, that's, this, that's sort of the narrative that we hear sometimes here <clears throat> yeah. in the U.S. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was in the UK and Germany recently, mm-hmm. and the people could not have been more welcoming. Really? Could not have been more ha- happy to to see us. Probably part of it is the whole COVID situation. It's like tourism's back. Yay. Yeah. Welcome. Have a seat in our restaurant. Where are you from? <laughs> but I've never encountered, uh, you know. Yeah, they like us. I've never encountered rudeness on any oh level traveling have you been to france i've been to france and the people are cold but no one is rude like you're an american i'm going to be mean to you that's what i'm talking about like specifically. i've had i've had a little experience but we had a big 
situation. We were a lot of family there, and we were, you know, young kids, and yeah. we were six of us all traveling together. And it's, it's situational. It's, a lot. It's, it's, situational. It's, it's a lot. It was a lot. Even for me, I was like, yeah, I know. Who's those kids? Why are they so loud? <laughs> They're so obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just have to say that off the top is that we, my experience has been recently was great. Even before that, I've never had a bad experience where I felt like I'm embarrassed to be an American. I should be, you know, whatever. Um, So this might be an exception to what I just said. (laughs) Uh, An American tourist traveling to Italy, 23-year-old man, dropped his phone, okay? And he went to retrieve it. He was going to take a selfie, of course. (laughs) And he went to retrieve it, and he fell into Mount Vesuvius. (gasps) Mm-hmm. Mount Vesuvius. I mean, we're talking Pompeii, right? Italy. It's <clears throat> still an active volcano, and he was actually trespassing to get his selfie. So he went behind whatever the yellow line was, wherever the marker was. He decided this doesn't apply to me because I'm a idiot <laughs> and I'm an American. Did he fly his plane over there under the in- intoxicated? He may have. Um, so he's trying to take the selfie. He falls several meters. I'm not, I don't know. I only deal in feet and inches, so I don't know what meters. <laughs> Sorry, you're That's up. one of the reason people don't like Americans, okay? You can't do the metric system. We're the only ones. Um, yeah, so he fell several meters into the ash of the crater. So he's up at the crater. He's up there, right? Uh, before being saved by a nearby park official. He sustained minor injuries. Um, They're not naming the man, which I say name him. Anyway, he walked on an unauthorized path to reach the summit of Mount Vesuvius at 1,200 meters, according to a spokesperson that's from the park of Vesuvius. This same spokesperson told ABC News US that he believes the man went on an unmarked path because tickets for visiting Vesuvius were limited to 2,700 a day, and they were all booked. He couldn't get tickets. He got to a certain point, but he wanted to go beyond that point, point. he didn't have a ticket. So he just thought, well, I'm just going to do it anyway. So he had come sort of on, like, the opposite side of the crater where visitors are never permitted, even visitors with tickets. Like, you can only go certain places. So he clearly, like, went under the little fence and got around. Um got to where he wanted to be and the park officials spotted the guides spotted spotted a bunch of people on the upper part of the crater that's forbidden from even going up there and they were like what is happening and then they realized there was someone down there so they had people had gone up there going oh my gosh this guy's injured they weren't you know lawbreakers they were just like what what are we doing so anyway um Two, th- this guy was with two other Americans, two British folks, and one Australian. So they were traveling in a group, and this idiot decided that it would be just a great idea. Um, anyway, th- he, there's pictures of him. He is toe up on his legs and his arms. It's like road rash. Think about what it would be like to fall into a volcano. And they're not releasing this name. No, they still haven't released his name. We need to know because he shouldn't be able to vote. He's right. <laughs> right? Like I that am. should be, that's like an IQ test. Like you're not smart enough to make a good decision Mm-mm. for yourself. Mm-mm. I don't think you should be making it for the nation. Please don't. Um, <clears throat> the, but they, a spokesperson from the Mount Vesuvius Park 
said that it's rare that visitors stray from the authorized pass. For the most part, people are pretty well behaved. But about 10 times a year, someone decides to go do something like this. Usually not with these consequences. They're usually not falling into the crater. So they, they did say, the Italian authorities said, there's not going to be any kind of legal action taken against him. Okay. They issued him a fine and he paid it, which I'm guessing was... And he's, and he's you know, hurt. Well, you deserve to be hurt if exactly. you're, you're going to do something like that. So, exactly. Anyway, just please stop, stop embarrassing us. <laughs> well, I'll just, this took me on a tangent while we were, you were talking about that. What? Because, about taking selfies. Because it kind of <laughs> reminds me, we used to take the young women for, for church mm-hmm. on these, these adventures, these they called it high adventure. High adventure. Mm-hmm. And we did this and it was, you know, it wasn't like life threatening anything, but it was kind of pushing the boundaries to what was normal for these young women ages. Like we took the older girls, mm-hmm. they were like 15 to 17 or 18 years old. Right. And we would have about a group of 20 to 25 girls, sometimes a little less, sometimes about 20 to 25 mm-hmm. maximum. And we would go with leaders through Angel's Landing in Zion. Right national park and it if, if you if you've never been to zions i would highly recommend going it is an amazing place there's mm-hmm. so much to do there but one of the tourist attractions is angel's landing and it's this very scary single track kind of deal with it's a sheer drop off with just a little bit of chain keeping you there you get up to a very high point which is the whole point of hiking it mm-hmm. is to get to this high point because mm-hmm. it's just this amazing view but it's treacherous getting up and down mm-hmm. you have to pay attention for a couple hours each way just to make your to make your way there mm-hmm. okay when you get up there you know i didn't realize but people don't die because they're just falling off the side of the mountain trying to hike Mm-mm. the people who have died there are the ones taking selfies that's right they sit there and they get ready and they start backing up and so when we took the girls i didn't realize that this was going to be a problem because it didn't even d- dawn on me right, right? It, the very first time we went, we've yeah. gone like three times mm-hmm. the very first time we went we had the second time we went no cell phones are coming Mm-mm. because we literally could not risk these girls being not not present enough yeah to not go over the side. Mm-hmm. But I started looking and I, I put into the computer here, you know, dangerous selfies. No, no. Because <laughs> it's a thing. Oh, it is TikTok and Instagram yeah. have really made taking a selfie. It's like you weren't you weren't there unless you took the selfie. That's right. It didn't and happen. It, it's, it didn't happen mm-hmm. if you didn't record it some mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, I'm looking online here. And if you ever have the opportunity, just Google this, the most dangerous selfies ever taken. And I'm going to show you this picture of this girl. What is she on top of? I don't know. I'm going to tell you. She has a selfie stick. She's got it taken out their cell phone to snap these photos. Um, this one, there's a picture in Russia. I cannot pronounce it. No, sure. But it's a big name in Russia. <laughs> and they're on top of this little platform. Yeah. And they are, they're not even telling me how high this platform is, but it's ridiculous. Was she, oh, this that's is a different, different picture. one. Oh, there is about no. 20 here. Oh. There's no shortage of people willing to do, risk their life for these selfies. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the part that yeah. you have to really it, right. they're not attached to anything they're mm-hmm. standing on little tiny little tiny small little thing a moving train 
No, no. Selfie stick. No. Head out the window. Ooh. Yeah. It's, you know, it's going 80 miles an hour. Men's. Yeah. This, this girl, I don't know. She is in China. Mm-hmm. It's this Instagram shot from Taijin, China, taken by Angela. I don't know her last name, who regularly risks her life in pursuit of her hair raising pictures. And it, she hashtags it. Don't try this at home. And at dangerousselfies.com. Oh, so there's a whole, there's a whole like Instagram page and you send your stuff there. You... How did she even get up there? All of these pictures are like, there's even the, you know, the big Brazilian tr- attraction of the, the Christos. The Christos. Mm-hmm. They actually, the Brazilian um, travel industry challenged travel blogger and photographer Lee Thompson to take his selfie from the top of the Rio's Christ the redeemer statue Mm-mm. so like they're they're trying they're to get they're it. promoting yeah, it yeah. Yeah, yeah he did it and thankfully survived to tell the tale bro that's on you there's also <laughs> selfies from the running with the bulls oh well, i've done that i know did you take a selfie <laughs> i want to know no way no well and that's the other thing is they don't let you through with cameras my son wore a gopro at the <clears> first day that we went they won't let you do it they kicked us out oh you can't have a visible camera on you. If they see you pulling out your camera, they will. And they're serious. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, no, this no, guy got it in there. Yeah, it's a good way to get killed. It's once you're there running the bulls, you don't want a camera. <laughs> you don't want anything on you. You want to just get out alive. You want to run as fast as you can. I didn't realize though. A GoPro seems ridiculous because he had it strapped on like with a harness specifically for that. Yeah. But they were like, no, no. We mean no cameras whatsoever. They don't want any. They don't want any filming if you get hurt and they. They have official footage. You've seen. Yes, I have. You seen. and your it's, husband have seen fun. the official footage of me coming into the stadium. Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's good news. National Geographic explorer and storm chaser is known for his frankly kind of insane photos and selfies. This one was taken, and Vanuatu. Volcano? Look at him. He's wearing a whole suit. He's in the volcano? He's right next to it. Why would you do that? I don't. Again, What's the point? I think that we've, with social media, I think that we've created these interesting s- situations. A male California sea lion who weighs 660 pounds, so turning your back on one is not a good idea. No. And a selfie sc- d- taker discovered when the wild animal decided to take a bite. Yeah. And he's getting its little... Oh, yeah, don't Taking a nibble on his arm because mm-hmm. he's taking a selfie with the thing. They, they're wild animals. I, I don't... Again... They want to eat you. I think we are too old to understand the, the lure of all of this. Um, but I'm just saying it's nothing is worth the risk. Well, for me, taking a selfie is like when... <laughs> When Denise is in Times Square and she's got the naked cowboy dancing over her shoulder, she's taking that selfie. There's no danger involved in that. There's a a little bit of a danger, but I was willing to risk it for your pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. So I'm just, I'm just really, I can't believe these people. And I'll just tell you this, every single person I'm looking at on these selfies are under the age of 30. Yeah, that's it. Their brain hasn't kicked in yet. (laughs) Their frontal lobe is still open. (laughs) wide wide open yeah yeah all right that does it for this edition of weird news we're glad that you joined us i'm ann police and i'm denise cooper we're two average girls see you next time 